ain't a junkie, I just draft a lot, ayy, and I draft a lot, ayy, and I draft a lot, ayy. I ain't a junkie, I just draft a lot, ayy, and I draft a lot, ayy, and I draft a lot, ayy, and I ain't a junkie, I just draft a lot. I ain't really got a lot of thoughts, I just pack them in a box. So I popped up on this pod, now I'm outside of the box. When I pop up on the clock, last thing I think is talk. See, I'm winning it now, loving it three and a thou. They peeping my style, keeping it now, steadily growing my Dow Jones. Oh no, these kids be thinking they prowl. Oh no, no, immediately throwing the towel. See, when it's different, it's different. Go position by position. Ain't no issue commission. As a commission, I just listen. They envision my vision and my division. I'm stealing. Cause I'll be willing and dealing. Find me the trade. Cause I'm a fiend. I'm a junkie, ayy. And I'm a junkie, ayy. Ain't no denying my supply. I'm a junkie, ayy. See, I'm a junkie, ayy. And I'm a junkie, ayy. Be getting high off my supply. I'm a junkie, ayy. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Dynasty Junkies. We're episode 107 of the Dynasty Junkies podcast. I'm your host tonight, Andrew Hall at Andrew Hall FF. Uh, with me in the co-host chair, kind of the last second adjustment. We're on at five o'clock. We've got the one and only Bobby Koch. How you doing tonight, Bobby? Yeah, it's weird. I'm here three weeks in a row. When I signed my contract, <laughs> I was told I was only going to have to do one of these a month. I don't really know what's going on, but glad to be here again with you, Andrew. Although I will say Rocky is still clearly very much avoiding me because he makes the it. schedule and somehow we're never on together. So no. just for whatever reason, you and Rocky are just not meant to be. But I, there are going to be, t- obviously, there are going to be episodes where you and Rocky get to pod together. It's going to be great. But I, I'm not so sure about that, but maybe one day. <laughs> I'm, I feel like it'll happen at some point. It has to. Well, let's get into the guest who we got tonight. The one and only Ian Harditz from PFF. How are you, Ian? Good to, great to be here, guys. Thanks uh, for having me on. Doing great. We got actual football on tonight. Oh, oh my gosh. We've, got, we've, we've gotten here. You know, I was one of the few out there watching, grinding all the USFL stuff, but I'm still also very excited for the Hall of Fame game. The preseason, like that's the thing, man. Anyone that, it's not just the USFL haters, it's the preseason haters. It's like right. the, the Mac haters. Just any haters of football, man. Just, if, if you hate it, shut up. Have <laughs> <laughs> someone to talk about. Yeah. Why you gotta why you gotta march in my mellow? You know what I'm saying? Like, what is with it? Like, let me have fun with this. Like, what are we doing here? Yeah, I totally agree. And in my mind, any football is better than no football. Thank you. Oh, I was with Preach. you on that. At USFL, I didn't watch that much of it, but I because it, you know, I wasn't that into it, but I loved when it was on. I love people being happy about it. Like, come on, it's better than nothing. But yeah, tonight NFL gonna, finally. I'm not gonna lie to you guys, preseason or like any other non-official NFL football is not really my scene, but at the same time. I'm a big fan of don't poop in other people's pools. If people are enjoying it, you don't have <laughs> yes. to tell them that they shouldn't be. Just let them enjoy it. Amen. Exactly. Exactly. We're all in this for the same thing. We're all in this to have fun. Let me have fun. That's all it's about. <laughs> and tonight's game, we might see one series with people that matter and the rest of it with backups. I'm still going to be excited as hell. I'm going to watch every film review I can see. I'm going to watch the fourth quarter and see what crazy plays are going to go. We might see Snoop Connor tonight. Honestly, like I'm excited about that. Like there's some of these players. A lot of Snoop Connor tonight. That's what I mean. There are some of these players that I've been hype about that I'm going to be actually be able to see how they're coming along. Now, granted, it's a very early game, (laughs) early in practice. It could be pretty ugly, but I don't care. It's still better than nothing. I'm excited about it. So, without further ado, I guess we should start at the beginning. I guess Ian, obviously, first time on the Junkies. Glad to have you on. I know you and I are in the Ohio Fantasy Football League together. Uh, you're doing a lot of great work for PFF. Obviously, you and Dwayne podcast all the time for them, and you're a busy man with a lot going on. But what would you say you're working on now? What's next in the hopper for you that people should be looking for? 
Let's see. Just had uh, my top 200 released on maybe this week, last week. It's all blending together, guys. My main <laughs> my main project was when June started, I did this uh, 30 I, – I did team previews for every single team, and that finished yeah. up early July. So since then, I've just been kind of hitting some of the – you know, the I, I think they're more boring, but just like the – the usual ho-hum articles you get, but you know, when you're lead fantasy guy at PFF, you just got to do these articles, get them out there. So the values, uh, the fades, all that kind of stuff is going to be out here in the next couple of weeks. Um, I did, act, I do actually have some draft strategy stuff going up tomorrow where, you know, based on being in the one through four hole, five through eight, uh, nine through 12, I go round by round by round, just give some targets, fades. And I tried to be brief with it. That's my problem. Uh, sometimes oh, yeah. I want to be so thorough. Like anyone that's listened to the podcast, you know, we spent, spent over an hour talking about every single team. Like, of course, uh, being brief is not exactly my strong suit. So it's like just uh, trying to, at some points, answer different questions without like, you know, explaining why Christian McCaffrey is good for 200 words. We can, if we could just get that <laughs> off our chest and you know, I can point you back to the team preview where I show you where he was in fact good, uh, still a lot of time to answer some questions. So that's the other wild part, man. I know a bunch of people are just now like you're really getting back into uh, fantasy football and it's just, it's hard for me to uh, relate. And I got to remember that sometimes because I know you guys are the same way. You know, we do this shit 365 yeah. um, around the year. I wouldn't have it any other way though. So a lot of good stuff there. And just, yeah, PFF fantasy football podcast, Twitter at iHeartIt. You'll, you'll see whatever I come up with next. Over there. <laughs> exactly. I'm sure everybody who is uh, on Twitter has seen you at some point and seen some of the fun things that you put out. It's awesome. Uh, I also think that, you know, we're a very niche product in ourselves, right? Dynasty is a year long game that turns into redraft in August. And that's why we like having you on as we get into this, because I know you do a little bit more redraft than dynasty. I know you do some dynasty, obviously, uh, but which, I guess, which do you prefer? I do you have a preferred format in, in a sense. Yeah, I think redraft still, uh, to my core that's just kind of what I, got, what I got started with and in the industry i actually came in through fancy labs so a lot of dfs so i, I still like that right. as well and best ball man i can't go usually can't go a day without getting at least a couple entries over there uh in underdog so you know i'm not i love all the formats they're all uh you know a fun way to draft just with dynasty man it is such a uh commitment so i, I do like having um the co-owners out there to kind of help yeah. uh have someone else to you know just remember to do everything you guys know how it gets when you have just this laundry <laughs> list of teams out there but yeah. i would say uh I'm still just getting into dynasty. I mean, Andrew, we're in our OHFF uh, league. I yep. think I'm in three, three or four dynasty leagues and this year. It's going to be like 15 or so redrafts. So it's just one of those uh, things where I'm not so sure. Like Andrew, we were talking before about, uh, I was asking you if you're going to do some of the football guy stuff and you're saying you have so many dynasty teams. It's hard I to so many. Yeah. I, I have the opposite problem. I have a bunch right. of redraft things. So I'm hesitant to uh, <laughs> jump too much into the dynasty uh, pool things. But I think, you know, especially, you know, for the, the true deviers in the industry uh, it's, it, it is just awesome to see people just sticking through the trades and, you know, really, cause that's, what's cool about best ball too, is I'm playing the news cycle with a lot of this stuff. And the fact that you're able to do that, but like for like long, term uh it's very cool so and in a short answer I, I prefer a redraft but you know i'm not here to hand dynasty hey no hate no we're he not feeling also, he was a guy who just says he loves football 365 which is what right. see is all about hey, so there we go be making the transition slowly <laughs> we'll see what well, i said next year well it's also it's nice you've got like 15 redraft leagues but you've got some dynasty leagues to tide you over is what it feels like you've got some like just enough to keep you going and you know march april may but then come june july you're back into underdog and dfs and all you know everything else kicks around it's a good I'm actually, cycle i'm on the clock right now in this apex 
expert writers league with uh silva barfield a bunch of those guys and oh, man. guys i'm i'm at pick uh 108 derrick henry's still here i think i'm just gonna pull the trigger henry dalvin cook i could get cd or stefan Diggs. i don't know this is this is a tough one guys but Oof. the big dog on at 108 i think henry dog. at 108 makes sense to me i mean I, I don't mind that bobby what do you thought do you have any opinion on any of those players over the other no, I agree. I mean, there's a reason he's called King Henry, and it's because he just gives you generally an advantage at running back as long as he's on the field, and he's going to be on the field. We know that Tannehill might not throw as much as he did in the past. Seems like a good pick to me. And this is a, it's a funky league where there's no flex. There's only, you can start two to three running backs, like three to five wide receivers. So the wide receivers go flying. And, you know, that's mm -hmm. a really important thing. We just listed these four different formats and then there's yeah. different, different rules and all of the oh formats. Yeah. So the most you can kind of take advantage of that. So, yeah, I got Henry now. Maybe I don't draft another running back for uh, like eight or nine rounds. That is, uh, guys, again, I just mentioned the strategy article I've done. If you are getting into redraft this year, I think it's a unique year in terms of how many three down running backs we've potentially yes. have i mean yes. even and they're across all of the, really the first four rounds you can get guys like zeke cam Akers, james connor Brees hall Brees hall mean, tra travis yeah. Etienne. legit all these guys are going in rounds three through four the wide receivers are really getting pushed up so you can leave the first three or four rounds with two running backs you have the middle rounds to get some wide receivers get your quarterback and then there's guys that we don't love like miles sanders clyde Edwards Hilaire, quadero patterson and I, I love quadero patterson of course but yeah yeah those guys like last year we had this running back dead zone that everyone kept talking about and that was because all these guys were kind of priced in rounds four through five now they're priced in rounds you know six seven maybe they even fall into round eight or so so say it on my podcast all the time but don't hate the player hate the adp and exactly a lot, a lot of these running backs as soon as they start sliding a little bit gets more and more interesting that is for sure. And that's why I like what we're doing here in Dynasty Junkies. Going into August, we're really trying our, our best to pivot and get more redraft voices on the on the podcast right now because I think a lot of Dynasty fans are also redraft fans, right? It's almost – it's very rare that you see someone who only plays Dynasty in zero redraft, right? And it happens. I'm sure that there are plenty of people out there listening that don't do redraft anymore. That's me. I, well <laughs> – you're you're right, and I know you're one of the weird ones, Bobby. But also, you you left the industry, and we sucked you back in in a way, right? So like that's what it's just how it happens. Yeah, I mean i I don't have anything against redraft. I just like being able to trade, and even if I fall out of it in a league, knowing that I still have the ability to think about that league for the future. It's just dynasty keeps its hooks in me, whereas redraft it will lose me a little bit. I will say I generally am contending, just because I like to think I know what I'm doing. But on the rare <laughs> chance that I'm not contending. That's where redraft does lose me a little bit. Well, and I guess that we can kind of get into the, some of that topic before we get into even some of the camp news, which again is a little more redrafty. But I mean, just staying on this for a second, Ian, I mean, you mentioned before that you're in a lot more redraft leagues. Are a lot of those, you know, money leagues? Are they charity leagues? Are they best ball leagues? Like just what, what kind of leagues do you find yourself attracted to? Kind of like what Bobby is saying, he likes Dynasty, but what redraft leagues are your favorite? You know, I'm I, this year I'm really getting more into the uh, FFPC football guys tournament i've got three entries in so far i'm gonna try to get about 10 or more and by the time the season gets here so i'm now in a lot of like <laughs> i gotta quit joining these sharp leagues i should just be joining these <laughs> random ones because like you know i just i keep getting these like invites like oh hey yeah. like do you want to join this league of writers and it's like okay like the competitive side of me is like sure but th this can't be you know the most plus ev move i'm uh, making out here but <laughs> That's uh, right. it's just it's still a good time i will say uh i remember last year or last two years i've won um 
I'm in the King's Classic stuff. We always do at the Expo, and I've won the snake draft uh, two years in a row in um, different divisions. But, you know, we've had good reasons for it. But we give uh, – usually it's half and half charity, half, uh, you know, in the, the, the winner's pocket. And we've had we've had good reasons where before the season we've decided the last two years to give 100% uh, to charity. And everyone th- awesome. stays competitive. It, it is awesome. Yeah, that's we're, great. We're, but it would have been pretty cool, you know, if we just had like extra money to still get the charity and also give the Ian for winning the league. So, <laughs> yeah, right. right. <laughs> I, I, obviously, obviously, Dick bring it up, but you, you guys know I'm just I'm joking around. Oh, it's but no, it's, it's part of the um, game, part of the game. Yeah, exactly, exactly, man. But yeah, it's um, I, I I can't wait, man. Again, all leagues of all shapes and sizes. I will say, just again, I love drafting. I think more than anything. So just yes. being able to do the best balls and hey, you do it and you're done. And you know, I'll I'll be sitting up. It just makes me very uh. I think I'm like more of an extrovert around people I know, but if it's like a, just like, I don't walk up to random people and really enjoy getting in conversations that much. So now, now like with best ball, man, I can just be sitting at the bar and I can pull out my phone, like to have a 40 minute draft. Like yeah. I, it's, it's made me even more antisocial, probably not a good thing, but you know, I enjoy it. <laughs> well, I think best ball is what I love. The thing I love about best ball, it's mock drafting with the purpose. You know yes. what I mean? Like it's a way for you to get that draft itch and actually do something with it after you draft, right? I used to do, I still do a lot of mock drafts and like dynasty mock drafts for DLF and things like that, just to kind of, you know, keep the draft gears moving. But I, I had, I did a lot with draft back in the day before they got absolved and, and run around. And now underdog is the new version of this. And I'm worried that if I start into underdog, I'm not going to stop. So it's kind of one of those, I, I just got to keep that door locked as long as I can. But I it love best ball drafting. That's one of my all-time favorite things. It is a good point, though. I've told my uh, friends this who, like, aren't, you know, they're just in, like, a league or two. Um, they don't do any of this savage shit. But I, I just <laughs> to- tried telling them, like, hey, guys, don't do this dumb mock draft on, you know, ESPN where people are just – you know, right. not even drafting by round three or four. I was like, literally take, you know, five bucks going to underdog and you will get a far. There are differences in strategy, obviously, between best ball and redraft and all these. Sure. But still, man, like the look you're getting at underdog is so much better than those other websites, especially right now while the ADPs yes. are still uh, where they're at. I mean, some of the discrepancies you can find out there, uh, you know, just massive, like, you know, 30 spot differences between solid players. So. Well, I was even going to use that too and say, have you have found any values that are, you know, values in redraft that are, you know, become values in dynasty where you can kind of see the writing on the wall and be like, well, this guy's rising in best ball drafts. Maybe I should go target him in dynasty. Like you ever use anything like that across the two formats at all? Like since you're doing so much redraft. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think the big thing for me is um, having, having the DFS start. It's, allowed me to have a nice week to week view and really learn how a lot of these teams uh, consistently u- utilize the different positions. Uh, I just had an article go up on pff.com looking at like the play callers and their history of having more course running backs and mm. like, what teams are willing to have guys out there for 90% of the snaps or 75% or 60%. And like, my God, you look at Pittsburgh and, you know, even before Najee Harris, like they were given Le'Veon Bell, these massive workloads, D'Angelo Williams while Bell was suspended, was getting fed. Obviously James yep. Connor did his thing. And, so we see Pittsburgh like in a league of their own, but right behind them, man, you see the Rams and Sean McVay and all these guys that he's kind of featured over the years. So last year it was like Najee Harris was number one in the league with 11 games with at least an 80% snap rate. And there was like six running backs tied for five. And two of them were Daryl Henderson, and Sony Michelle. So like, I'm not, we saw the McVay quote from the other day where yep. it's like, um, Using two backs, right? Something like that. Yeah, it's going to be a rotation. Yeah, we'll I don't see. know about that. Because, yep, yep, again, yep. five years of data is telling us that, no, man, you're more willing to feature one running back than just about anyone out there. So for that reason, having Cam Akers on my team, I actually I have him in a OHFF, and 
kind of ha- got him like a side deal last year. He wasn't even like the main piece of it necessarily, but uh, it, it's, it makes me think twice about uh, selling high on him because as much as I do think that it's wild, this guy coming back from the Achilles and as bad as he was last year, like you, some people still value him as a top 10, like dynasty RB, which there's a case to be made for that based on that workload. So that's just one example. But yeah, again, I, I think all the types uh, can certainly flow into each other and help uh, give you a different perspective on things. Well, it just keeps Definitely you uh, check out that article from Ian because I've said for years now that coach play calling tendency is one of the most under-examined parts of our games. Coaches will sometimes legitimately tell us, to Ian's point, with five years of data, what they like to do. And we go, no, this is the year that you know McCarthy <laughs> finally decides to throw to a tight end. It's like, no. He's told us he, as a coach, does not call that many plays for the tight end. Stop thinking this is the year it happens because he's shown us it won't. Or you can also use it in the positive way, like with the Rams Mm -hmm. and the running back tendencies. Well, and also, I mean, don't listen to what they're saying. Listen to what they do, right? Actions Mm -hmm. speak louder than words, right? You have guys coming out and speaking on the mic, saying something, hyping up a guy. A lot of times we've seen this. How many years have we seen this? He said the coach says something just to get the guy riled up, just to get him to play better, just to make that first running back think it's not mine. I got to go earn it. Right. It's all this. It's like a mind game. Right. So like, why would we trust that when we know he's lying, when we have five years of data that back, like, so it just, it blows my mind because and I, this is actually the perfect segue camp blurbs. I always listen to like, what do we, what do we actually listen with camp blurbs? What makes sense? Like when we get these news things that comes out from, you know, NBC sports edge and we got Roto world and all these guys like putting out blurbs of, of, of articles of people that were on camp like it's like third or fourth hand news you know what i mean like what do we listen to what do we not and i always just generally say anything positive i don't listen to it because positive doesn't mean anything positive is the coach just blustering trying to show some attitude negative is really where a lot of more information can be can be gleaned i guess and ian i guess would you see that as the same or do you have a different opinion on that yeah, it's funny. You guys asked me, you know, five minutes ago what my recent work was. And I just blanked and now I'm remembering it all as we start getting to it. Letting so, it out. This is perfect. Just, yeah, just today I had, a, you know, key takeaways on all 32 NFL teams. Just one key t- training camp takeaway because you're right, man. There is a bunch of bullshit going on basically across the board. So for me, I care about anything that's going to help clarify that depth chart, whether it's injuries, whether it's Right now, I don't care so much about practice because, you know, if anyone's ever played football knows in the first like couple of weeks of camp, that is when guys get a chance to rotate with the first team. You don't have a scout team to even worry about. It's only later that that would be problematic. So I care about preseason snaps with the first team. That could yes. be really helpful. And if you see a running back, you know, just not leaving the field out there, obviously we're going to want to know that. So, um, yeah, there's, there's certainly some usable information, but yeah, certainly a lot of shine just being thrown out there. Uh, by a lot of the beat reporters, but I think they're uh, learning more and more, man. I remember um, Elliot Shore Parks, the Eagles guy, uh, had that infamous tweet about, you know, maybe lucking into a home run, but God bless <laughs> the guy because last year, like they had a scridge and he like just gave everyone like the first team snap race for like the running backs and stuff. Like that's what we want, man. That's right. it's, I, I, I used to get so frustrated on, on news crew when I was with a uh, NBC sports edge and fantasy labs before that. And I'm watching on tweet deck. I got these 300 Twitter accounts coming in and team Twitter account just sends out the injuries. And then it's just, five straight beat writers that copy pasted the same freaking it's like come on man you you spend your whole day around this one team like tell me like if this limited practice was more limited than another one like give me anything extra than just what the team account says it's like when uh the big time reporters they break like a contract it's like what are we gaining here other than like you telling us this five minutes before the team account or the player was going to tell us so hey there's good reporting man but don't just 
don't just be cop like they have a they just copy the shit and they get away with it it's it's just ridiculous i feel like i'm well, taking crazy pills out and time. like like what i was saying before there are so many times where i'll, I'll see a blurb and i'll open the, the nbc link and it says due to a report from so-and-so and i'll open that and it'll be a guy who's like due to a report from so-and-so and i'm just like we're not even reporting actual news anymore we're reporting that someone reported that someone reported news yes it's like, like what on. are we doing you know like what is the point of all of it like her adam schefter's tweet like okay we all saw that we're on twitter already what are we, like what are we doing it just it blows my mind i right, will say right. at the end of the day you also know that you know beat reporters know who they're paid by too so mm-hmm. like this is one of my big frustrations with some of like the announcers of my favorite teams if the team messes up, you never hear them say like, oh, that was a horrible play, even though it was because they know who writes their check. They have to find a way to like spin it. And so, you know, a guy can like fumble and cause an interception and be like, oh, well, he tried his best. And like the beat reporters are kind of like that, too. They're like, oh, yeah, this guy is injured. And that's like all the coach wants them to say. So that's all they say. You see that everywhere, man. It's like that's why did ESPN never run a single, you know, story one time on the USFL? Because it wasn't on their, net- it wasn't on their right. network. Yeah. You, you watch the first. uh usfl game on um peacock and nbc sports and they were showing this like player comp with uh some player and like look how much he looks like roy kent from uh ted lasso <laughs> i didn't see, bro i love ted lasso i did not see this comparison at all and then of course right after that they're like by the way as part of your peacock prescription uh, subscription <laughs> guess what show you can watch so it is shameless sometimes but hey well- they're making capitalism. Money. They're all, all got to make money somehow. <laughs> Kyle brings up a good point, and I think we can maybe put a pin on it on this one. Should we look for the initial source of the info? Beat writer reports more than coaching blurbs. I definitely trust beat writers more than coaches. Oh, yeah. I think coaches have yeah. no reason to tell us the truth. There's no benefit for a coach to be like, well, yeah, we really sucked out there today. Like, no one, he's not going to say that. Right. <laughs> and, now, and if it, he says something about injuries and something, maybe, yeah. but I mean, like, beat reporters will say things like, so-and-so limped off the field. He was holding his hamstring. A coach is going to be like, yeah, he had a little leg injury. Like, he's not going to tell you anything. There's no reason to do that. I think Sigmund Bloom at Football Guys has had great points on this where I will listen more to a coach and the coach talk, kind of coach speak, as we call it, more if it's a constant drumbeat throughout the entire yes. offseason. So Cliff Kingsbury has been saying that, Chris, that with Christian Kirk gone, like Rondale Moore has taken that job. He wasn't last year because they had Christian. Christian's gone. He says this before and after Marquise Brown got added to the team. So when I see four or five different interviews where he's talking about Rondale having a bigger role, I'm much more you know willing to maybe start accepting that and influencing the rankings with that than one random quote where a guy asks him about like Rondale Moore in the yep. first place. So Great point. yeah. De- definitely think uh, beat, rep- beat reporters more so than the coaches. I know there was actually one that just came out where, you know, I think PFF even might've had the picture about it where, you know, from Cecil Lammy, who you brought up, uh, you know, Sigmund who works with Cecil a lot at, at football guys. Yeah. And Cecil Lammy was saying, looks like it's going to be a 70 30 split with Javante and Melvin wow. Gordon. And then Benjamin Albright's like, it's more like 55 45. Like, what, what are you like? Why are you saying this? But well, th- I think th- what Cecil's doing there is trying to project the future. And what Ben yeah. is talking about is what's currently happening. Like it gets to be kind of that nuanced argument. Like I think it's going to be, this is, is definitely worth reporting. If, if, you know, Cecil Lammy is with the Broncos, he knows them well, but also he's, he's paid by the Broncos, you know, he's kind of there to hype up his side. So I, I get both angles, but it's like, you know, honestly, you never know who to trust. That's, that's what it comes down to is that you well, got to do a little more digging. I think we saw that one because Albright's, you know, such a big follow and stuff like that. So it's good we did get some. We all saw the potential, and I think Cecil's done some great stuff all this you know, sure. forever. So it's nothing against him, but we got we all got to see both sides of kind of what they were talking about. Right. We had the one report um, 
I forget her name. She was an NFL network reporter. She was at chargers practice. And she said that uh, Isaiah Spiller was the only one getting run with the first team. And he was the clear number two running back that got like two or 3000 likes a couple hours later. She like quote tweeted and was like, my bad, like round tree. And these other guys like went on to get some reps. (laughs) Like it's that it's definitely a full. So look, she got new information and she changed it. Like, but that got like 60 likes. So clearly there's a large percentage of people that saw the trendy tweet and they did not see the follow-up one. So that was the other thing. Um, again, when I was going through making my training camp article, like just really making sure reading day to day to day to day in multiple sources, because that's just the only way we can get the most full picture we're looking for. And that's exactly where I wanted to end on this too, is like, you, you can't just trust one blurb. I think that's really what it comes down to. I always, I, I am, I am a stickler for this. Click on the blurb, click through, try to see the initial data because there have been a lot of times where something comes out. And when you click through, it's literally just some guys like who I think makes the team report. And it's like, as much as I want to trust that that's literally one person's speculation. Like there's no real facts there, but it, it gets muddled down to become a blurb and a fact as like a thing on Twitter. And we're all on Twitter. We're all looking for the latest news. I mean, fantasy football is a game of inches, especially in Dynasty. If you can get a leverage on something or get some quick inside info and send a trade, you know, like that's that's viable. That's valuable information. But it's also like we've, we've kind of made our own monster. You know what I mean? Like yeah. we all want this information right away. And then we're all like, man, these guys are getting it wrong because they're reporting it right away. Like, oh, that's what we want. That's that's what they've proven that well, we want. We're the customer, you know? <laughs> it, it is wild, man. It'll be like Wednesday or, you know, like, there's the Sean Watson news and stuff. And oh God, yeah. Boss and, and the boss, like, all right, guys, like, come on, adjust your ranks, submit the ranks, submit the ranks. And who, who the hell is, you know, how many people are really like diving it? Like, okay, I know there are some of us savages that are immediately drafting after that, but I would have to think 90% plus of our subscribers like probably haven't had like their first draft this year yet or and stuff. So it, and again, it's it's my full-time job to do fantasy football. I adjusted yep. the freaking ranks quickly. I, I that's the world we live in. Like <laughs> that's I'm not what you have to do. Yep. It's and, and there are far bigger problems out there. So I am not, you know crying about uh you know my my work or anything like that but you're right it's we have become this industry that literally you know by the second basically uh is the expectation here so may the best man win i guess (laughs) it's one thing i will add there is just while things do get reacted to within a second at least in the dynasty space it is a patience game so we do need to keep that in mind too of like it's great to react to things but at the same time, in the dynasty space, you want to remember like you're playing the long game and situations change very, very quickly. So overreacting to news tends to be something that all dynasty players do, honestly. Yeah. And it's something that we can all be better about. Yeah. Well, and so let's talk about some things that actually matter in the last couple of weeks or so here. Like first thing I have on the sheet, Debo got paid. I think this is a big one. Debo got paid in a contract that incentivizes him for running plays and for running touchdowns. The kind of, I think anyway, that language is is unique. That kind of explains a little bit about how the team plans to use him. They, they are going to benefit him. He is going to get benefited for doing these tasks. And it's like, you know, I don't think that can be taken lightly. And it's a pretty good contract. I don't remember. I don't have it pulled up, but it was like 75 million or something like that. Like solid contract. You know what I mean? Like this is not chump change. 73 and a half million, 58.1 million guaranteed. And yeah, to your point, multiple clauses with those bonus payouts for yeah. the, you know, thresholds as a rusher. Here's the thing, man. I love looking at expected fancy points with a lot of these guys. Uh, we have a great tool, PFF, that lets you do that because it just helps show you in a year to year league. You know, we always talk about regression and stuff, and it just does show you like what guys need to be 
the best players in the league, basically, in order to keep doing this. And maybe they will. Like Jamar Chase, you know, I've heard talks about that. But it's Jamar freaking Chase. Like, come right. on here. If there is right. a guy we're going to bet on, it might as well be him. I don't think people realize, like, just how bad that running back role actually was for Debo's expected fantasy points, though. Because yes. on the surface, it was fine. 21.2 PPR points per game in weeks one through nine as a full-time wide receiver. Once he started playing a lot more running back due to the injuries in weeks 10 to the NFC championship, he still averaged 20 PPR points. So There's only a one point drop off. So no one cared. The expected points went from 17.1 to 12.7, Ooh. man. Like again, in full PPR, one freaking target is usually worth worth about 2.7 carries. In Debo's case, he was the most efficient rusher in the league by any metric you want to freaking look at. So, yeah, yeah he's incredible. I, I get that. They're paying him to be incredible. And maybe he, he'll just keep on keeping on, man. It's possible. But when I look at Debo in, like, the first round or very, very early second rounds of the draft, and it's compared, like, to someone like Devontae Adams or CeeDee Lamb, guys that were just fully expecting to breeze past 150 targets – I have a well, I have Debo down a little bit for that reason. I was gonna say you went you took this and said, all right, they want to run him. I'm I'm moving him down. Is that pretty much your reaction to the news? You were like, I just I don't know if I want that. If again, I don't like the idea of fading anyone because I think we'll all draft a guy if he falls to the right spot. Um sure. in in just in the particular draft that you're in. But I have Debo ranked to a point where I'm not getting him very much in drafts, and I'm I'm okay with that because of uh, everything I just said. What do you think, Bobby? Are you on the same page? Is this rushing stuff good or bad for Debo for Dynasty and Fantasy alike? It's a mixed bag. It's a mixed bag in that I think it'll probably increase his fantasy production in the short term. But I also think that, and you know, not that we can ever predict injuries or whatever, but we have seen that people who do running plays tend to get injured at a higher rate than people who are just catching the ball. So I'd be a little bit worried about the fact that he could be maybe even more susceptible to injuries that way. Um that said, you know, Andrew, we talked about this recently. You asked me if I still had Debo in my top five of Dynasty after this contract. And I said, I have a hard time placing him outside of it. I could make the case for him at like six or seven. But the fact that he's in a Shanahan offense, they've shown that they want to get creative with getting him the ball. And even when he wasn't running the ball, he was pretty efficient catching it. Mm -hmm. It's just hard for me to say that he's not one of the top five guys, at least for Dynasty purpose. Redraft, there are probably some guys that I think I'd still take over him, and it's just kind of an age thing. But overall, I think he's going to be a great fantasy producer. It's just, like Ian said, it depends on the cost. Well, yeah, exactly. And I think, too, with a three-year deal, I mean, for a running back that they want to get their hands on and use, and they, they gave him $58 million guaranteed to sit in, I mean, like, that's that says something. That's that's saying a lot, right? That's not just a coach blurb. That's not just training camp <laughs> beaver fighter. That, that's, that's money. That is the most biggest, loudest voice you can have is, where do you put your dollars? And that team I, is saying, we want to put our dollars on Debo. That says a lot. I hear you, man. I just, there's a chance that, you know, we're talking about Debo having <clears throat> this offense. that could be way more run first with Trey Lance. In 2019 and 2020, George Kittle had more targets per game than Debo. I mean, yeah. just say that won't happen again. Ayuk, you can't read one story about the 49ers oh, without man. hearing about him. Like, again, it, it's a pure volume thing. And, it's not like we're comparing Debo to a bunch of scrubs. We're comparing him to Mike Evans and T Higgins and Keenan Allen and AJ Brown guys that are also really good. albeit maybe not quite as good as Debo, but if you're not quite as good and you have 40 more targets or something on the season, those are the decisions we got to make in fantasy football. Now, I, when I explain it like that, I think everyone can, you know, even if you disagree with me, like you're reasonable, of course, you know, PFF just throws the one quote, give me right. T Higgins over Debo Samuel. <laughs> and everyone's like, what yeah. the hell is this hardest guy know about anything? Yeah. 
everything. So there was there was a thousand words, and all they took was the last six. You know, like yeah, I love when they do that. It's terrific. They they know what they're doing to get interaction. I will say that. Well, um, I, one thing I yell at them about, and I think anyone that's uh, because okay, it's it's a fine useful like yeah put put the quotes out there that's fine link the damn article or the podcast where yeah. it said it afterwards so for the <laughs> one the context per- yeah. so for the one percent of people that are, are you know pissed off by it and choose to actually you know go in and see what i said you know at least they will hopefully uh not be disappointed after that but no, you heard entirely. it here first t higgins over deba samuel <laughs> no context needed no context whatsoever that's <laughs> but, what he said Let's, let's title the podcast that, right? We can do that. I think that'll definitely get some clicks. I love it. And that's ultimately what it's all about, right? Just getting people to view your work. Um, of course. The other thing I wanted to mention was some of these injuries, and obviously injuries speak a lot too, right? You can't really – there is definitely some injuries that are soft tissue injuries, and you're not sure if they're going to – they're out of practice, but does that mean anything? I mean, the, the two that I had on the sheet tonight, obviously Tim Patrick, ACL, terrible for the guy, you know? Just got a three-year, I think it was a three-year contract, like just going to make a difference on this team. And a lot of people saying he could be the wide receiver one. Like he tears his ACL, he's out for the year. Like that's a heartbreaker for the player, for the person. You know, for fantasy, yeah, it sucks. Okay, great. You move him to your IR, you move on with life. For the player, that's a brutal nine months to 12 months to come back. Like not everybody can do it. So I feel bad for Tim Patrick. And I just wanted to give a minute, I guess, if you had any thoughts maybe for dynasty or just in redraft or best ball, however you want to put it in. Like, what are your thoughts on this Tim Patrick thing? It, it sucks. It's got to suck. I, I just, and, and look, it's our job to figure out what to do next with it. I yeah. just feel it, it's like, you see the tweets and that again, I'm not putting down people that tweet this. We all do it in some way, but it's like, man, so bad feel for Tim Patrick. And then next line, it's like now KJ Hamler, let me, KJ uh, Hamler, maybe. Yeah, let exactly. me tell you about this extra opportunity we got here. So, oh man, just Tim Patrick, man, I think one of the most underrated receivers in the league over the past few years, I, I've been, hyping up all off season. I had him on 23% of my best ball squads. I mean, he just, where he was going, it just made no sense. I was lower on Judy accordingly. So for me, I'm now completely in line with everyone on Jerry Judy because I, I just think it's very clear that he is now cemented as the number two uh, in this offense. So KJ Hamler is going to have his chances to do his thing. And I think it's the market's been at least too slow in the drafts I've seen since the injury to adjust to KJ Hamler. Yeah. At a minimum, he should be going, I think, with Jalen Tolber and Joshua Palmer and those guys kind of in the low wide receiver 60 range. If not, man crossing out Tim Patrick's name and putting Hamler there. Like it, you could make that yeah. argument, especially given that before we were looking at a situation like potentially KC is facing uh, uh sneakily, maybe even green Bay where you don't want four or five wide receivers like rotating in these spots. So now that we really do have three cemented in there and Hamler off the pup list, uh, another big news, it really is looking great for KJ Hamler who, yeah, he wasn't the first round pick like Judy, but he was a second round pick, man. And, you know, we've seen Hamler do plenty of good things uh, back against the Buckeyes. I remember that when he busted that 90 yard touchdown, I was like, who the hell is this guy? This, this guy can freaking blaze out there. So Alberto yeah. helps Alberto as well. I still question I just think Nathaniel Hackett coming from Green Bay um, is going to utilize a tight end by committee system. I think it's a sneaky potential problem for Cole Komet in Chicago as well with uh, Luke Luke Jetsy now there. I mean, both these coaches watched Robert Tunyon score like 11 touchdowns two years ago. And even before he got hurt this last year, he could barely play 50% of the snaps. So it's it's not that I think that 
James O'Shaughnessy is going to like render <laughs> Cole Komet irrelevant or that no. Dolchich or Eric Saubert, the guy that's, you know, they're tweeting all about this training camp. I don't think, I don't, I know Albert O and Cole Komet are going to lead the way, but if they're leading the way with 60 or 70 targets instead of 90 or right. hundred, that's a difference that's a between big difference. a tight end one and like a low end tight end too. So I will say uh, in Albert O's case, like you guys saw some of the dynasty hype on this dude earlier in the oh, offseason. We've all seen the dope, underlying metrics but like my goodness like top legit top 10 top 12 hype from people i respect so that's still way too steep for me i will say in redraft and best ball he's dropped down to kind of like tight end 16 to 18 range so at that point in time i'm fine throwing a dart at the talented player yeah. uh just to me there was a lot more um you know people weren't looking through the situation as thoroughly as they should i get it and bobby what are your thoughts on, on the broncos and tim patrick and camler and all those guys so I'm going to bring this full circle just very quickly for dynasty people, a pretty easy free pickup. If you have room at the end of your roster is uh, Montreal, Washington. And I only say that because he's been getting some camp hype and I know we're not really listening to like positive blurbs, but he is out there. People probably don't really know his name. I think Andrew even right now is looking up who the hell Montreal, right Washington now, yeah. is. <laughs> and so he's someone you can add to the end of your roster and, you know, let's say Hamler doesn't step it up or whatever. He could be the guy who steps up in the event of Tim Patrick's injury and is probably a free pickup right now because Andrew, who is one of the diehard dynasty people, doesn't know who he is. And <laughs> I was actually going to I mean, talk to Andrew and hope maybe before this uh, podcast drops about us picking up him up in the team we co-own. That's a free team. A 30 man roster so we could clearly right. have some room for him it's deep. Um, yeah but those are just those are the sorts of moves that i look at with injuries to guys like tim patrick is like not even the handlers because they're probably already owned by a team and or rostered excuse me rostered by someone who really likes them but guys that i can get off waivers that maybe could have a chance now well and that's actually where i love to pivot to is find the free guy you know like why not Ooh, if he doesn't oh, pay out why not like go you get see- the guy that doesn't cost anything you see who was also in the Broncos wide receiver room? Travis Fulgham. Remember that Ooh. era? Oh, that yeah. Three week era. That was, man, what a wild run that one was. There was a play. Wentz did some of his <laughs> usual bullshit and just tossed one up like to <laughs> nobody ends up. Fulgham goes up, man. Skies over Marlon Humphrey and Marcus Peters. And like they both fall down. And it was just Travis Fulgham holding the ball in the end zone with freaking two like all pro cornerbacks at his feet. I was like, what world are we living in right <laughs> now? I receiver one, Travis Fulgham. Yeah, no, I remember that. That was a fun three weeks. weeks. Later, so. In the dynasty, just really quick, I flipped Fulgham and I think it was like Minshew or I can't remember, but someone else like that for like a 2022 first while that was happening. And it to this day, it is one of my greatest moves. Hell yeah. That's a killer move. I, wow. One last piece of camp note news and it's injury related and kind of in the same vein. I mean, not really, but James Washington obviously getting hurt, having a right foot fracture out six to ten weeks for the Cowboys. I mean, obviously that the rookie Jalen Tolbert gets a bump, but I mean, is again it sucks for Washington. I was really hoping he would catch on here. I really I thought he had a lot of talent in Pittsburgh, just didn't get the opportunity, just didn't have the spot on the roster. And I really do hope that he comes back. And obviously Gallup is out for at least the first few weeks. It sounds like so. I mean, there, there's going to be some there's going to be some targets as that team opens up after camp. And I think Tolbert's the, the biggest beneficiary, but like you were talking about before, you know, Mike McCarthy doesn't really throw to the tight end at all, but does Schultz get a bump? Does Jake Ferguson become relevant? Like who, who is the guy in Dallas after this, I guess, Ian, what are your thoughts? I'm, I'm with you. I still have Washington on like two of my three dynasty yeah. teams. I'm, I'm holding out some hope and I, I'm, I think I picked him up like last year, our free agency yeah. because 
you know, the guy that catch passes from Mason Rudolph for like the last decade. And then unfortunately <laughs> he like breaks his foot in the first week when he's actually finally getting to play with uh, Dak. So I will say a little bit damning that in Pittsburgh, yeah. you know, we were seeing plenty of other wide receivers have success. So, you know, he, he was on the Cowboys cheap, uh, cheap deal. Like the comparisons to Russell Gage never made sense when you actually look at the contracts, right, but right. he didn't with, get that kind of money <laughs> with that, without him in the picture. It's obviously great news for Jalen Tolbert, their third round wide receiver, as we all know. I mean, he, he was going to be in three wide receiver sets anyway, for me, it's like, okay, are they going to put Noah Brown out there or can we just get Will Fuller in town, baby? Like, Oh, just, man. They, <laughs> I, I saw Jerry Jones' just quote, but come, come on. Like, we, we can't, we've never been able to trust anything that Jerry's going to be able to say. <laughs> so Cole Beasley is still out there. Like, he would help. They just need to add someone at this point. And what are they waiting for? I saw they just signed Anthony Barr, but only the Browns have more available salary cap. Yep. So I just, you know, Jerry's never been one to give a shit about that. They're absolutely in win now <laughs> mode. I feel like they have um, a plan to maybe make a splash. We'll see. If not, like what you just said before, is Jake Ferguson going to be relevant? Like, okay, the Tony Pollard talk. This is what's interesting because so many people come at it from the angle of like, okay, like he'll overtake Zeke. That's not going to happen. I un, We all wish it would, but Zeke's their guy. He's, he's going to keep playing, you know, 70% of snaps probably every single game. Are the Cowboys willing, though, to keep Tony Pollard on the bench for guys like Noah Brown, like Jake Ferguson, like, you know, Lucky Whitehead 2.0 freaking our uh, <laughs> Cavante Turpin, USFL MVP. CJ Vasher is there too, right? CJ Vasher, right? like that's my point. So, you oh. know, we, we're looking at guys like A.J. Dillon and Ramondre Stevenson a little bit, even Naeem Hines across the league. Melvin and, Gordon even. Melvin Gordon. Yeah, uh, some Melvin of those backups that aren't backups. I'm just for saying. sure. But I, I, I just mean, there's a couple of shallow offenses where we're wondering, can they oh, use yeah, okay. two running backs a lot to make up for some of their depth? And I know we have this conversation every off season, the, Oh, is Kareem Hunt could be used more in the slot this year and this and that. And I, I, I do think it's usually just fodder during the off season. With that said, if there's two teams, I think have the combination of a legit running back who can go out in space and run routes and be more than just a running back, like arguably be a legit receiver. And they're on a team that has little to no wide receiver depth. So there's opportunity for them there. It's the Cowboys and the Colts with Pollard and uh, Naeem Hines. So yeah. not, not saying they're the same player and that's why the ranking difference. I mean, if Jonathan Taylor got hurt, like it would be probably Philip Lindsay taking a lot of the early right. down stuff and Naeem Hines's role would increase. But if Zeke got hurt, Pollard's playing 90% of the snaps and taking yeah, over. Pollard pain, becomes Harris. You know what I mean? Like Pollard becomes one of those yeah. guys that is just dominating out of the sixth round of your redraft. You know what I mean? Like yep. that's a game changer, a league winner. And, and similar thing with uh, AJ <clears throat> Dillon. So that's, yeah. Especially Dylan, I've been prioritizing Dylan ahead of guys like Antonio Gibson, Josh Jacobs, Patriots backs, because wow. you just you start looking at these guys and you know how many injuries is Josh Jacobs away from actually getting a three down roll now? And it's I, I like him and Gibson's talent, but apparently their teams don't because they're going to keep using <laughs> these uh, multiple running backs. So I know that's uh, that's the, that's the main struggle with some of you dynasty guys sometimes. Oh, yeah. Like you might be right on a player, but it really doesn't matter if the coaching staff just thinks something different. Yeah, I think Kyle with the awesome CFL standout Lucky Whitehead. That's a good reference. I like that deep cut. That's well played. I think we need to have Ian on more because he agrees with a lot of the things I continually say, which is like, right. yeah, a player can be as talented as you possibly think they are. But if a coach doesn't use them, that doesn't matter. You can have yeah. all the talent in the world, but situation still does matter greatly. How about like, it's the, it's the Rico Gathers story, right? Oh, there's yeah. An, there's another old cowboy. <laughs> Terrific deep cut references. Well, with that, we'll kind of put a, a pin on the on the blurbs. I know there's going to be tons of time for us to speculate wildly 
Uh, there's going to be more injuries, I think. I hate to say that because I don't want to bring that on, but there always are. I mean, every year, this is the time of year where you're like, I, I posted a Twitter of like the Matrix gift, like just dodging bullets. Like, that's what it feels like this time of year. It's like, who's going to get hurt? Who's like Dalvin Cook went down with an injury, but he's okay, right? Like, there, there's all these, oh, camp is tough. So I just want to make sure that everybody, especially dynasty managers, you put all this effort in to get your team right. Stay liquid. Keep keep going. Keep making trades. If you're contending, look for depth, you know, all that kind of stuff. But redraft is a fun time of year because you actually start to see the product go on the field. And those yeah. potential points become actual points. And that's where things start to change. With that in mind, let's pivot into our last segment of the night, which is our find me a trade segment. So we do this every week. Obviously, we take a listener who's got a team and we say, hey, you got a team. Let's help you find a trade. Let's try to make your team better. This one, I got to be honest, this one is a doozy. This is one of the better ones we've had in the sense that I'm, I'm glad he mentions that he listens to us because this is a great team and it makes us feel good. Like, we, obviously, we did something to help. This is submitted by Nick Bauman, I'm guessing, or Bowman, at Nick underscore Lodian. Terrific, terrific name on that Twitter handle. Uh, this is a 12-team half PPR super flex with an extra point for tight end, so 1.5 tight end premium, 30-man roster. You start nine, it's QB, two running back, three receiver, one tight end, one flex, one super flex. And I'm going to bring the team up, but Bobby, if you wouldn't mind reading some of his thoughts, I don't know if you want to read them all, it's up to you, but just read through some of that while I get this. Yeah, Nick really went into the details about uh, his thoughts here. One of them is just that he does continually listen to us in Dynasty and Chill. And he said that he's going into second year. He finished fourth in the first year and he has a couple of picks. He doesn't have his own first. He thought that some trade candidates that were obvious to him were Cup, uh, Christian McCaffrey, and Tannehill. He said that he had tried to trade down Tannehill for Baker in a second, and that was turned down. He also sent Cup out for a couple of wide receivers, like the aforementioned Higgins, and a slight plus on top and got crickets. Um, he essentially said not a lot of people in his league like to trade, but there are a few guys, and he's just looking for some ways to improve. But Andrew kind of alluded to this. I was trying to do a find me a trade for him. And honestly, this team is pretty stacked. Like there are some there's some ways that he could like slightly upgrade, but I don't know if it's worth the depth that he would have to give up or the picks. Like this team is like a championship team. Yeah, let me let me run through the team. Let me run through the team. Just it's not, (laughs) I wouldn't say it's the best team I've ever seen. Like this is one of those that if you put it on Twitter, I'm like, what is this a six-man league? It's a pretty solid team. I got to be honest, but I do think there is a little bit of tweaking. Maybe we can discuss, but a team is named Port Port Royal Flying Dutchman. I love this league. There's a ton of fun names in this one. Quarterback, it is a super flex. Again, quarterback, he's got Hurts, Stafford, Tannehill, and then Taysom Hill. You never know. Taysom Hill could be the guy. Uh, Running back, he's got Christian McCaffrey, Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, He has, uh, who's the other one he had? That's Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Alexander Madison, Ramondre Stevenson, Chase Edmonds, Devin Singletary. Duke Johnson. uh, Duke Johnson, man. Dookie Duke. Jared Patterson. I mean, it's like, I think it's a pretty solid running back room, though. There's a lot of depth and a lot of top heavy on this one. Receiver kicks it up even more. He's got Justin Jefferson. Uh, He's got Antonio Brown, which I thought was terrific. He mentions Cup, but I don't see Cup on here. I'm not sure if maybe he's on IR or something, which would be weird. But uh, Justin Jefferson, Marquise Brown, Rashad Bateman, KJ Osborne, Elijah Moore, Emmanuel Sanders, like I said, Antonio Brown, Kadarius Toney, Terrace Marshall, Chris Godwin, Darren Waller. Solid team solid team and then tight end he's got darren i'm sorry darren waller and hunter henry at tight end so like this is one of those teams you look at and just go i don't want to play that guy man <laughs> that's that's going to be brutal so i guess bobby if you want to finish up your non-trade maybe we can get into mine and, and see what maybe what rocky said too yeah the only thought that i had was essentially like if he wanted to go for even more top end talent so you know at running back two for example he is strong at running back but 
you do have to start too. And in having to start too, I remember like, sure, so sure he had Christian McCaffrey, but then if I recall offhand, he had uh, CH and then who was the other top tight end that he had again? It's hard for me to do CMC, Zeke, and oh, tight oh, yeah, end Zeke. Waller, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, so yeah, he had Zeke. Zeke. And don't get me wrong, I really like Zeke as a running back too, but I thought like this team could just absolutely dominate if he were to somehow get like a, let's say like a Najee Harris, for example, and combine him Chubb. Yeah. with like, yeah, a CMC, he would just, just, and that's not even about the regular season. That's like, once you get into the playoffs, it's such a crapshoot. But if you have those two dominant running backs coming at people every week, he could just destroy. And I was thinking like, he could try to tear down from Jalen Hurts and one of the things was another team had like Lawrence and a Najee Harris type. And so I was kind of looking at that, but I couldn't quite balance it out in a way that made sense. But that is where I was starting to go before uh, Andrew was like, oh, we have enough trades on the sheet, so you don't have to do anything. And I was like, oh, thank God, because this guy's well, team is just stacked. Well, reading Rockies, actually, it reminded me, I, f- I totally forgot this. He had Cup, but he traded Cup and Mills, which is one of his other QBs, for Stafford, a first and a second. And I like that move a lot. I think that actually, I mean, again, Cup, maybe you're kind of getting out on it, but now you got Stafford and Hurts as your two QBs, you know, upgrading from Tannehill. I don't mind that. But, I mean, like, that's where Cup went. So, Cup is off of the team. Uh, but he's still got Justin Jefferson, who I think, again, wide receiver one or two, depending on the city you live in. And for me, it's two just because I live in Chasetown. You know what I mean? Like, it's just that's kind of how it goes. But I think, again, this team is stacked. And I agree with what you said, too, Bobby. My trade was to send Hurts, Tannehill, and CEH to parts unknown dead men for Justin Herbert. Same logic. Let's upgrade. Let's consolidate these assets and try to get one more stud on this because that would put you with uh, Herbert and Stafford as your QBs. You're not going to miss CEH. I'm not entirely out on CEH like a lot of people are. I do think that that offense is going to need him with uh, Tyreek Hill losing or losing, leaving. You know, there's going to be some need and Juju obviously being hurt and coming into a new team. And obviously Kelsey's still going to get his, but I think CEH could be a beneficiary. It's hard to say. It's It's a speculation, but I'm looking at that. Like if I can get something like that for Herbert, and I think, again, if I have to overpay for it, I'm fine with that. If this league is finicky and they're not willing to trade, values might be different than what you see on Twitter and might be different than what you see on calculators, right? But if I'm sending two QBs and what could be an RB2 for Herbert, I feel like that's a pretty fair value. But I guess, Ian, what are your thoughts on my trade maybe and then on the team in general? They take that. I'd absolutely. I mean, I, I want Justin Herbert in that deal. Yeah. If I had Herbert, I'm not so sure. I'm, I'm not so sure myself for that either. Yeah. But hey, you know, see what happens. I I just, you know, I... I'm not quite in the weeds as uh, with dynasty as, as much as you guys, but I remember earlier this offseason when I did, you know, take the time to get my top 400 and just, you know, really wrap my mind around kind of what was going on in uh, February and March. Like Jalen Hurts was the one guy where I was like, I think we're, I think we're overestimating this a little bit here, guys. Like, yes, year to year. I mean, I just had a pop with uh, Evan Silva today. Hurts is Silva's QB three overall Ooh. going through this year i have them qb6 but i think you can there's a very easy argument that they're in the same tier so like move them up and down wherever you want but man we the eagles are flirting with russ and stuff like you look at last year they didn't want to be that run heavy offense they were actually like sixth or seventh in pass play rate during the first seven weeks it didn't work they were two and five now they switched to a super run heavy offense and they made the playoffs you look at the teams they were beating and hey a win is a win is a win guys but to me it was kind of like the dolphins nice win streak last year just a lot of teams where yeah you were able to beat them with this super conservative offense and good defense and i just think now that you've added aj brown if jalen hurts 
doesn't take a step forward. If he does take a step forward, then hell, he can be a freaking upside QB1 for the next decade. So it's, it's a tricky situation, but that's why I think I want to include him in a deal for someone like Justin Herbert, who we're exactly. just more sure of having that. Because would we be that shocked if the Eagles made a big play in an offseason next year and there's a new no. quarterback in town? And I'm not. Yeah. I, unfortunately, I think guys like Jalen Hurts, these mobile quarterbacks, they're less likely to find new suitors um, out there. And I don't have, you know, a study to back this up, but I, you know, we all see the same shitty pocket passers bounce around from team to team guys. Like uh, I think Tyrod Taylor, like is, a, is an example yeah. throughout the league where even if the guy can be like a top 20 starter, I think teams aren't willing to completely morph their offense around the, if they know that the court, the guy can't be a top 10, top 15 quarterback. I don't think they're as willing to do the things that the quarterback needs to be doing in order to, uh, to win out with it. So yeah, Jalen Hurts stuck out to me as someone where I would be looking to try to sell high on him. And Alexander Madison is someone you could take a long look at as well. I've done um, Matthew Collier, purple insider, couple podcasts with him this offseason he's as plugged in as anyone and he's just not as confident that madison's going to have the same featured handcuff role underneath this new coaching staff and he cited kenny nawanu who i saw was out of practice the other day so keep an he eye on that too. But he has one or two yeah, he has them on you great it's on it so if, yeah. madison, if madison depending on you know who you're talking to some people might see him as this lower end rb3 so i do think you can maybe uh add him as a you know if you can add madison instead of ceh i think i'd certainly yeah. uh be down for that because i'm not so sure he has that same handcuff value yeah I, i've saw the fantasy points i had him on several teams last year you know we don't care when the fantasy points come there but when you start digging in a little bit there are a lot of you know 25 carries for like 80 yard one touchdown type of games out there where you know, Madison really was not a good running back last year, but he got as, as much volume as anyone when he was In out opportunity. there. So right. who cares? Yep. Opportunity is a lot of times king. And that's exactly why I built my trade around Hertz is, is what you said before. There are people that are valuing him as like that top of the second tier behind like Silva's apparently one of those guys where you've got out, Al, you've got Allen and Mahomes and then Hertz. I don't agree with that. So for I'm like, this year, for this year, I get sure. it. Who the hell knows next year? And that's part of why in Dynasty I want to get him off my team if I could, right? Like I'm not, I'm not actively like pursuing and, and scared of him. I'm just saying like if I'm going to move anyone on this team, I'm moving. I, I just got Stafford apparently, and I like Stafford a lot in the next couple of years. And I think Hertz is the one with the most question marks. So if I can package Hertz and something else to upgrade to Herbert in my mind as an upgrade, I'm happy as hell with that. But this All team is win now. Uh, this team is yeah. win now. So like, this team please, is win now. It's please true. don't like don't trade Jalen Hurts for a running back. Like please. No, 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 no. no. Yeah, so it, I was also going to say all the people in junkies too are going to try to lowball us for now, Andrew, because they hear us like negatively talking about him, even though he's on our roster. He was our first round pick in a fourteen team at, at what pick thirteen, right? Like, so we were like picking at the back end, and we took Hertz and, and Russ Wilson. I was happy as hell with that. Like, that's exactly what you want in a fourteen team. We're standing out with QB, and there's a bunch of trades in that, and there's a bunch of degenerate junkies like ourselves in that league. It's a great league, but no, I'm not giving away Hertz. That's not my point. I'm saying he's the one that I would see as the most variance of value between me and the other person. He right? could either be the next superstar quarterback, or he could be the Blake Bortles who puts up great fantasy oof. stats and then yeah. runs out of a starting job. Yeah, it's, it's that's, so that's not, that's not scary at all. Um, I'll finish with Rockies real quick. Cause I, I did think his was kind of interesting. His was send Rashad Bateman in any of his middle tier running backs, like Edmund, CEH, Ramondre, uh, to Pawnee mini horses, which again, great team name for digs. His logic is the same as ours. Consolidate that. Put Rashad Bateman and CEH for digs. If you can pull that off, buy a lottery ticket. Because I don't think anybody <laughs> is selling digs for that. 
But I think the thought process is there, right? Like even hell, maybe you send Bateman and, and three of those running backs for digs. I'd do that. Because this team, I think, has the depth to be able to sacrifice two or three of these running backs on your bench. And to get somebody like Diggs to pair with Jefferson is just going to dominate. Like those two, you've got two of the top five assets in Dynasty on receivers. I mean, like that's that's hard to beat. So I just thought that was a good trade. I think it was worth mentioning. There's a couple different options he wrote down here. And I think there's a couple other things in, in general that I think we're all hitting on. This team is set to win. This team is ready to go. Let's just find one piece, do one thing to put you over the edge. And I think consolidating is what we all agree on. And I think that's probably where I'd make the move. So any other comments or thoughts on this team before we wrap it up for the night, boys? No, looks great. Yeah, you awesome. summed it up well. It's keep consolidation. Keep right. Duke Johnson. Keep Duke Johnson on the squad. You need that locker keep room. You need that veteran presence in the locker room. The good luck charm. Yeah, that's right. Thank you. Well, he's got Demetric Felton too, and Jared Patterson. You can cut some of those guys, but keep Duke Johnson. I like it. I'm with you on that. Hey, All Duke right, well, gave so, us some usable weeks last year, man. That's he true. And he's got he's got Devin Singletary, right? So like Devin and Duke, maybe maybe they're the one of the two is the guy, and James Cook is out. Who knows? Like, we never know. Duke's a good player. I like Duke. Anyway, with that, we are going to wrap it up tonight. But Ian, if you wouldn't mind giving everybody your Twitter handle, where can they find your stuff again and just kind of wrapping us up and kicking us off here? At iHeart, it's PFF Fantasy Football Podcast, pff.com. Great day to be great, guys. Enjoyed <laughs> talking to you. And yeah, let's all have a great season. Go win some championships. Why the hell not? That's right. If you're not following Ian, what are you doing? I'm sure you've seen him on Twitter. Just follow him anyway. Like, what the hell? Like, come on. Everybody should be following Ian. He's a great guy. Uh, with that, I will finish this up here. Obviously, thanks so much for everybody joining us in the chat on this early show at 5 p.m. Eastern for a change. Uh, but again, anytime you see us go live, feel free to hop in here. Anybody listening on podcast form, we appreciate you too. Leave a note, leave a review, uh, rate it on whatever podcast format you're looking at. Uh, if you want to see your team on Find Me a Trade, go find our Twitter handle at Dynasty Junkies. It's on mine too, at Andrew Hall FF. You can submit, <clears throat> you can submit your form, your team. We'll put you in the list and we'll see if we can get to you before the season. I know we got a bunch of shows coming up. We're going to start our positional series. We're going to look at each position in the next four weeks, dive a little bit deeper to try to get you ready for redraft season and get your team locked and loaded for that championship run. Uh, definitely follow up at, at the depth network at depth underscore network, uh, dynasty addicts podcast network. I know daddy of the depth network. As I said before, Russ Fisher would love that. We got to get some follows on that. But with that, obviously it's been a pleasure talking to you, Ian. Been a pleasure talking with you, Bobby. If you want to take us out of here, let's cut it off. Chunky is out. <laughs>